Alright, good morning. Uh, today is Thursday, March 25, episode 51, uh, reading Chittakash Gita from Nityananda, translated by M.P. Pandit from Manipal Powered Press in 1962. And we're nearly finished with the text, and I want to do the uh, uh, overview of uh, the last major verse or text block, page 97, bottom of 97 to 102. <clears throat> and um, I read it last time and commented I'd like to read it again and um, give a little bit more advanced commentary on it and uh, prepare, I guess, next time probably not this time, next time, for the final verse, which is uh, covers from page 102-103. And then we'll see. Then I may just, um, again, in the future weeks, read extended uh, verses, or do an extensive re extended reading of verses with minimal commentary. So, uh, bottom page 97... You probably heard this last week if you were listening. And I'll read it all the way through to 102 and then um, do some further uh, elaboration on meaning. So Nityananda said, Voice of the Self, uh, bottom page 97. <clears throat> and uh, I'm not going to try to read the, I'm not going to translate the terms um, during, down the line. You should know, you might, <laughs> hopefully you know what they mean. Uh, since we've been going over them for 50 weeks. The Shakti, that is Omkara, is like a spring of water. It moves in all directions, pervading within and without. In the form of Buddhi, it becomes the creation, preservation, and dissolution. It becomes soundless, the soundless sound, merges in buddhi, and buddhi merges in omkara. The omkara merges in buddhi. The world mer merges in buddhi. Both the world and the omkara merge in the sky, akash. The sky merges in the buddhi. The buddhi merges in the sky. Both the buddhi and the sky become one in the omkara. The imperishable becomes one with buddhi. The imperishable and yana become one with buddhi. The buddhi too becomes one with atman and the atman with the buddhi. All thoughts of form are to be offered to the atman through the path of buddhi. Cause and effect both become one in the atman. Let knowledge and ignorance both attain to the Atman by the path of buddhi. Peace is pure like the sky. It is ever unsullied by the pure and the impure. Eternally pure, devoid of form and change, both form and change become one with buddhi, spread everywhere in all forms equally. That is peace. It is not of any motive. It shall not be associated with motive. It shall be separate and distinct from motive. Peace is the supreme state. 
distinct from the here and the beyond by the path of buddhi. Neither pleasure nor pain can touch peace, shanti, this peace. The understanding that there is one Atman in all is true peace. Peace gives happiness both here and there. That is the word of the Veda. That is the Dharma of the Holy. That is the true significance of human birth. That is Mukti, fulfillment of birth. That is the truth, or Sat, the supreme state. That is the all, compared to Buddhism. That is desireless bhakti, and desireless bhakti is absence of desire. This absence of desire is freedom from cares, and freedom from cares is the true knowledge of Atman. O mind, give up desire for the varied objects, and serve the self, Atman, that is Sat. O mind, proceed by the inner path, and with a full mind laud or praise the Atman. O mind, determine the Sat, truth, and laud even within, through the path of Buddhi, the Jiva, that is Chitta. Forgetting both the day and the night, let there be forever the great rise and shine of Buddhi, O mind. May the whole world be seen full of the Atman, let it be full of Atman in all the states of waking, dream, and sushupti, dreamless sleep. May the great peace grow pervaded by the Atman. May the world be known and lauded. May or let the mind know the world through the path of buddhi. It is not a proposition to be explained and understood. It is to be thought in oneself by oneself May truth grow in strength as omkara, sat. Let the chitta be offered to buddhi. Let truth alone remain. Let the chitta merge. Let the truth, so we're talking about chitta and sat, right? Sat, chit. Let the chitta merge. Let the sat be merged in the head. Being one with the consciousness in the head, let the world be seen with the eye of equality. Realizing this equality of mind, knowing the sense of you and I, let the true and the eternal be known in this equality. Understand that there is none other except Sat. That is the station of Sat Chit Ananda. Truth is both the beginning and the end. Truth, Sat, again truth is Sat, Sat is both the within and the without. One is true Two is doubtful. By a concentrated dwelling of the mind, establish the certainty of the one in the heart by understanding and meditating. Truth, or sat, is the right state. Sat is sugar. And sugar is the sap of the mind on the tree of nirvikalpa. And I'll explain that after. This sap, sap or rasa, of the mind is the sap of yana realization. The sap of yana is the rasa of yoga, meaning the sap of yana realization or non-dual realization, sat, the, the yana as satchit. The sap of yana realization, not much different than satchit, 
is the rasa or the sap of yoga, meaning practice or sadhana. And in this rasa or sap of yoga, direct all the gunas of the being by the upward path, O mind. Shake off all the doubts from every part of the being by bathing in the Ganges of Shiva. Let Shiva and Shakti join together in Omkara. With the third eye, see the doubts in the forms and qualities of the world. Burn up the enemies of desire and smearing the whole person with its ashes, do thou join Shiva and enter the third eye. Yourself be Shiva. May Shiva be yourself. Sacrifice without hesitation. And sacrifice without hesitation the sense of difference between you and Shiva and all doubts in the midst of the five fires of the five senses. O Jiva, offer up all your qualities and do tapas, austerity practice. By the path of desirelessness, taste the nectar every moment. Taste without disquiet. By the path of sat, attain the thought of the Supreme. Once the truth or sat is known, there is no more fear of death. When sat is known, I and mine are dead, as it were. It is the sense of I and mine that gives rise to the fear of death. This is the block or blockage on the path. As one forgets the world and sleeps, so in death. There is then no distinction between the outer and inner state. Then when the senses turn inward and move towards the inner being, the sense of I and mine dwindle to atomic proportions, meaning tiny, and merges. When the jiva wakes up suddenly, as he enters into the awareness of the external world, the nature of the sleep is to be realized. This is the state of jnana. The cause of birth and death is desire, and due to that the shadow appears naturally. Desire is under the control of man. For those whose buddhi discriminates, discerns also. There is no fear of birth and death, It is desire that is the root cause of birth and death. Because the mind is subject to desire, there is room for experience of pleasure and pain. If desires come under the control of man, there is no more straying in pleasure and pain. When the mind is subject to desire, there is need for external help. When one becomes a slave to any habit, that becomes the cause of much lower birth, meaning lower realms birth. All habit must be under control. Yes, if I choose. No, if I do not. Such shall be the force of will. Any work done on fancy, or the whim, desires of the whim, desire, whimsical, you know, whim, desires of the moment on whim. Any work done on fancy is not permanent, but work done by the exercise of buddhi lasts life long. Fancy, or idea, is never permanent. It is much inferior to buddhi. It is the little finger. Buddhi is the middle finger. Vasana is great. And now we talk about vasana, and that closes the um, verse. Vasana, uh, predilection, karmic propensities, is great attachment to a particular thing. Uh, Also wrong views, (laughs) or view, (laughs) or attachment to view, or believing in view. It is the vasana that is the cause of birth. 
The different vasanas that arise from moment to moment relating to the body come and go like bubbles on the surface of water. The body is what is there naturally. Special attachment to a thing is vasana, different than just body. And for this vasana one, and for this vasana one needs to take another birth. The vasana has a form, and that form is reflected in the inner being, and the form is created in the same family. Whatever be the work a man with such a vasana is engaged in, his body alone is working. His vasana stands apart, and a body is being breathed there. The distinction between body activity and vasanas of mind. As it becomes impossible for this body to satisfy that vasana, the jiva, while leaving the body after death, due to disease or so, finds another body ready. This body is gone There comes another birth. The birth takes place for the fulfillment of that particular vasana. Whatever the vasana whose satisfaction is desired, that vasana is the cause of birth. For instance, is it possible to lift up both feet at the same time while walking? One foot is placed down and another is lifted up. Similar is the vasana of the past. So, um... Let me review. Basically, the first uh, third or half of this long, long verse is a series of um, uh, equivalences. Um, Hindu, Vedantic, uh, yogic tradition, concepts, core uh, themes and, and ideas or notions regarding self and path and practice and attainment. Uh, that are all one <laughs> when one has uh, uh, yana. And so there's shakti, that is omkara, shakti as um, uh, prana, as uh, universal power, force. I mean, again, it's an, as far as I can say, you know, there's the shakti up the spine called kundalini, there's the Shakti throughout the universe called Prana or intelligent energy, light, as Ra would say, or light whose nature is love, light, love. Prana, Chi, Ki, uh, Elon Vital, you know, uh, etheric energy. It's, it's associated with sixth chakra, actually. Uh, but it's not the same as sixth chakra energy. So uh, the form maker body, sixth chakra energy field, Indigo, ray, energy field, form, maker, body, energy field, body means energy field, body. Making form makes thought form and also facilitates making DNA. Uh, makes body form and mind form. I mean, because six chakra is in the spirit complex and it can generate body, mind. <laughs> body, mind, spirit. Well, below spirit is body, mind. And that is essentially associated with with fashioning the genetic code or genetics, the, the genetic <laughs> sequence of a person's body cells coming out of um, form maker body six chakra energy field activity associated with mind and, you know, the being and higher self's desire to program catalyst for learning for the incarnation, for soul evolution. Anyway, uh, Shakti is very much uh, 
the universal energy that gave rise to vibration or light that is prior to vibration or light that is vibration or the nature of vibration which is light which is invisible it's not colored it's not white it's prior to light dark or seven colors prior to seven colors prior to white black or white and non-white meaning shadow or dark there's intelligent energy and that's shakti as far as i can tell and essentially the first equivalence is that this shakti is omkara and omkara again is the kara of om kara same root as kar karma making doing fashioning Om. Who does it? Brahma, God, intelligent infinity, or one infinite creator. <clears throat> In the beginning was the word, the Logos, and the Logos was with God, and the Logos was God, but both distinct and of, um, of, of one identity. Both uh, one and distinct. <laughs> right? The many and the one. And so a form of infinity called intelligent, uh, in, in called the Logos, which is the principle of love light or a focalizing of Godhead, making light. That making light is Omkara, as far as I can tell. And the Om portion is, uh, the Om generates Shakti. But essentially the Shakti's nature is um, of its source, which is uh, the that, that which did Om. So <laughs> making Om or the act of uh, generating pranava, which is the uh, seed vibration, uh, like shakti or intelligent energy, that gave rise to the 10,000 things, gave rise to energy fields, seven dimensional energy fields, and seven ray energetics of seven dimensional energy fields or octaves. All that came out of uh, let there be light, which is Omkara, as far as I can tell. And that <clears throat> generates light that uh, generate, you know, goes into seven, it's, you can say it's prior to vibration, or it's that which vibrates. Uh, it's basically um, a, a thought in the mind, it's a mental process of um, the one infinite creator. Anyway, Shakti uh, or Prana, intelligent energy, uh, is ultimately, its nature is Omkara, in the same way that energy fields, nature is light, and light's nature is love. And that light, love, nature is ultimately the Logos, whose nature is intelligent infinity, or Godhead, or one infinite creator, source. So, uh, what uh, what emerges in in cosmological sequence uh, infinity infinity becoming intelligent or discerning a concept called finity and be, or becoming self aware becoming intelligent infinity discerning the concept of finity uh, discerning that it, there may well be the experience of what it is not meaning the phenomenal apparent uh, the the apparent phenomena that are uh, that that is finity, not infinity. That's a potential infinity realized. Godhead, intelligent finity, source realized, 
And with a desire to have that experience, that illusory experience of affinity or the appearance of affinity as an experience, generated light by way of action of free will upon love. But that light is nature is love. But that light love came into being only by way of will. But will and love light is ultimately simply a movement of intelligent infinity or activity of infinite intelligence. And so what comes down the cosmological sequence has a different form than what it was prior. It's a formal uh, evolutionary process. But the nature of what's evolving, the substance, the nature, the essential ontological nature of what's happening is uh, simply uh, of the source. Uh, Brahma or intelligent infinity or one infinite creator or God the Father or whatever. And so source evolves or devolves or manifests uh, in uh, apparent sequence or linear you know, progression with ever modified forms yet uh, the substance or its nature remains the same. Right? Water in a water on the mountaintop, water down the st- in the stream, water in a pool, water in a puddle, water in the ocean is still water. The forms are different, um, and the uh, substance is one. And so, Shakti is Omkara. It pervades inside and outside, meaning it's out of the body and in the body, and that's the form of Buddhi, <laughs> the form of discernment. Buddhi as a function of mind. How can it be a form of Buddhi? Well, it's a buddhi in mind uh, as a function of, of us as jiva knowing that perceives creation, preservation, dissolution, meaning the, the basic guna cycle, um, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, arising, persisting, and passing away. Um, so this is a understanding impermanence. And so this shakti that is omkara, or omkara giving rise to prana, which is ultimately shakti inside and out, um, can be known in as also a form of buddhi in the way that it's knowable only by mind, by by the mental function of buddhi. And so you can say there's a sound, you can say there's no sound, it's a soundless sound. What's a soundless sound? Well, it's it's vibration prior to sound. Merges in buddhi, the buddhi merges in amkara, so you've got uh, equivalence now between buddhi, the function of mind that leads to satchit, knowing the um, the uh, identity of all things, uh, outer, inner, um, one and two. And so omkara, shakti, shakti that is omkara, merges in buddhi when one has realization. And that merges in awareness for the being associated with six chakra, not seven chakra. What's six chakra is aware of its nature being seven chakra, or set what what is known according to the inner eye or the sky, chittakash or hridayakash, heart sky, awareness or consciousness sky, chittakash, hridayakash, is known by six chakra activation. What it ultimately comes to know is the nature of its source, which is associated with seven chakra, intelligent infinity, 
contact with Intelligent Infinity, um, is known <laughs> uh, as there's this this uh, by the path of buddhi or development of the seven rays in association with continued discernment and awareness, living in truth beyond the personal or going through the person beyond even the transpersonal. So world merges in buddhi, world and omkara merge in the sky. So you've got buddhi um, that knows uh, all is one or that source, the manifestation, the, the nature of all manifestation is its source and ultimately knows that energy and consciousness is one also. And so you've got uh, love light, light as um, energy or essentially you know, the essential basis of vibration and energy fields and seven rays. That's called light. So Ra said the nature of energy is um, light. And that light, you can say it's essential vibration, you can say it's pre-vibratory, you can say that the seven rays are vibratory, and their source, intelligent energy, is pre-vibratory. Uh, it's it's an, it's an actually a, a kind of manifestation of infinite will, modulated through mind, meaning um, in a mental in a mental form. <laughs> action of free will upon love is in some ways the action of deity or source deity, meaning source of all, uh, ultimate absolute source, infinite will, moving through its mind. Uh, or applied into uh, upon its mind or consciousness or awareness because it's not subjective it's infinite so uh, love is simply a word Ra uses to describe the infinite mind receptivity and uh, capacity of of the of infinity that's intelligent then when infinite will acts upon it um, through or in the mind of infinity, uh, it's in infinite intelligence, uh, which could be called the law of love or second ray, action of free will upon love. It's not, and Ron talks about love as the enabling principle. Mind, the infinite, the, the mind principle, right? We've got spirit, mind, body. <laughs> of course, the triad remain, it began there. The three laws is the basis of, of cosmological Trinitarianism or triadism or all the threes, the creative triad, the, the three, triplicity, triadism, as the creative number, started with the three laws that gave rise to light or the three laws that have been enumerated or determined by Ron in, in teaching that gave rise to uh, vibration and uh, energy fields and uh, all cosmos. That's where it starts. But infinite power, uh, the infinite power of, of the one absolute Godhead source uh, acts through its mind uh, in the way of enabling its desire to manifest. And what it manifests is, um, is Omkara. And omkara is a soundless sound or a vibratory, is pre-vibratory uh, power. 
but it's a kind of power. It's it's very much akin to infinite will, actually. And so it's prior, if, so if we equate omkara with light, and light with prana, and that as pre-vibratory, or um, a certain kind of manifestation of uh, pre-manifest infinite power, it's a manifestation of the power that acted through mind or intelligence in a loving way, enabling that power or enabling the creator by its infinite power to generate a, a secondary power or a power that then can generate form, um, a form-making power, which is light. And light is, is very much of six chakra or accessed by six chakra but it's it's uh, you know above six ray it it's simply that the tap in the tap in of a being in the, in the octave to shakti or prana um intelligent energy seems to be by you know um, near perfect or complete you know very high level six chakra activation so this is all so there are all these mergings at the at six chakra which is becoming one Right, the law of one is of six chakra, Ras and six density. Six, six is one. Unity is realized uh, at the sixth stage. So buddhi merges in the sky. <laughs> They're becoming one with the omkara. So basically, four. You know, atman is of six chakra. It's not the same as paramatman. And here he doesn't actually talk about paramatman. And actually, he may well not be talking about the end of the path here, but simply the union of Jiva and Atman, or the achieve, attainment of Jiva Atman, which is very much of becoming higher self, uh, which I think in Buddhism, honestly, is probably non-returner. Um, in higher self, you can say is, in a way, returning. But because higher self manages or assists mind-body-spirit complexes, that assistance is a form of not returning. <laughs> Assisting beings that are in, you know, dimensions three, four, five, uh, evolving, uh, is not the same as returning to those dimensions for one's own evolution. And so I think, anyway, third stage attainment in Buddhism, non-returner, is comparable to the Atmanic state, but it's not the end of the path. And I think that he is talking about this, that... Uh, the great unification occurs in sixth density. It's associated with uh, the state attainment of Jivatman. Jiva becomes Atman, mind-body-spirit complex becomes mind-body-spirit beingness complex. And then um, all of these essential themes of um, ontology and path are realized as one. And so you've got this kind of merger. <laughs> It's known then that all inner outer shakti prana is omkara, or of its source. That uh, knowing of impermanence through buddhi, the knowing function is unified with what's known, or the object of knowing uh, and the knower and its knowing function is unified, right? The statement, when the knower, the known, and the means to knowing, which is called buddhi, is one, there is Brahma, and so uh, attain higher self or achieve Jivatman, that's called a sub-sub-logos. And so 
that is um, the first divine, the first major divine attainment on the path of return, uh, revealing true nature, which is that uh, the form, form is the logos, the nature of form, the, the true nature of the beingness in form is its source, logos, or Godhead, or Paramatma. So buddhi merges in this sky that all becomes one with omkara, or the knowing that it is of its source. Thoughts of form are offered to Atman. Buddhi becomes one with Atman. So you've got buddhi, the knowing, and Atman, the station of knowing, or the unification self. It's unified self-consciousness, Ra said. We become light. So becoming light... <laughs> is attainment of jivatman. Becoming light means not becoming light, actually, but realizing one's nature as light. And that's not the end of the path, because one's nature is actually the source of light, not light, or light and the source of light. Light is the form. Uh, Its true nature is its identity, the identity of light. (laughs) <laughs> What's the identity of light? Well, the identity of light is the source of light. Light is simply a form of the one that created it. Anyway, uh, thoughts of form, like the monastic function, is offered to Atman through the path of buddhi. So path of buddhi, discriminative awareness. And so all sorts of apparent polarities are resolved in six chakra, in six density, at higher self, as just as Ra said. It's completely fitting with the raw material actually. Cause and effect are become one in the Atman. It's not that they become one. It's not like Ra has become light. They now realize, they are at the level of development by which they now realize that their true nature is light. However, that's not (laughs) their true nature finally. That's not their final true nature because they're not yet out of the octave. And so, um, but all sorts of um, experiential, perceived, conceived, experienced dualities become unified or are realized as not an abiding duality, but rather a unity that appears as a polarity. Unity appears as duality, or unity appears as polarity. Duality is a polarity, or all duality is polarized. And then lots of that called the 10,000 things or multiplicity. But all that um, is ultimately a formal, a formal manifestation or manifestation on form of one source. Via light. And so cause and effect are realized as one in Atman. Knowledge and ignorance, meaning vidya and avidya, both attained to Atman by path of buddhi. It's all path of buddhi. It's uh, visuddhi maga, <laughs> actually, or buddhi maga, up to six chakra, up to six density, up to higher self. By after higher self, one doesn't need buddhi. Actually, uh, one just dissolves. The, the after one raw talk about we become light, <clears throat> we now realize we are light. But after that they will go beyond identity going to self-density. Then they don't think I am or I am not. I am this, not that. This and that falls away, just like Chongsa said. 
And so there's no more uh, dualized um, perception or perception of polarity after higher self. So Jivatman becomes one with Paramatman, uh, not by effort, but by um, final, absolute, absolute and final surrender. And so, uh, peace, so basically, uh, at Jivatman, or Sixth Density, or the culmination of the Path of Badi, um, all sorts of apparent polarities uh, are realized as one, and then one lives in peace. One attains peace. True peace is Shanti. Or Shanti is the word for peace. True peace is the peace of uh, becoming, of returning to one. Returning awareness to uh, the, to the uh, expansion. It's expansion by which it's known that I is one. But that's not the end of the path either. Because that I, that one is one light, and light is created, or it's omkara, but it's the one that spoke that is the source. So then some discussion of peace, or shanti, how pure it is, and how it's one with buddhi, form and change become one with buddhi, meaning perceptions of multiple form, perception of past, present, future, or perception, I mean, what the hell is change, right? You can say past, present, future. You can also say arising, persisting, and passing away. Very good. Okay? So the goodness or that cycle of arising, persisting, decaying, and passing away. Um, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. Hmm. Birth, old age, sickness, and death. <laughs> Same in Buddhism. Uh, that's a perception of change. So form and change become one with buddhi. When... You know the culmination of the of buddhi marg, buddhi marga, buddhi maga, the path of buddhi, the way of buddhi, as the attainment of jivatman, as the realization that I is one light, <clears throat> or the one all is light, all in the octave, <laughs> not all, 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 all this all, the nature of this all is uh, light, <laughs> the seven dimensions of this all called the octave is light. I is that light. I is one. That's Shanti. That's the culmination of the of Buddhi path, the path of Buddhi. It's not the end of the path, however. <laughs> it's the culmination of the path of Buddhi, not the culmination of uh, soul evolution or, or evolution. You could say it's the end of soul evolution. It's not the end of evolution because there's spirit evolution above soul evolution, we can say. So... Uh, Form and change become one with buddhi, the culmination of the path of buddhi, jivatman, realizing all is one, I is this one light, all is one, one what? One light. But that light is co- is, is a created generation, it's omkara, and it's uh, uh, fashioned. <laughs> it's the action of free will upon love, or uh, power, um moved through infinite mind or infinite intelligence. And so <clears throat> uh, it's not the end of the way. It's just um, nearly the end of the way. Even the next octave, you can say, is not the end. So anyway, um, all sorts of uh, perceptions, conceptions, experience 
of form and um, objects, uh, a world of objects perceived by a perceiver. You know, all of that falls away. Uh, meaning, and no one doesn't, no, no one believes it anymore. <laughs> Atman doesn't believe that form is substantial. It's seen as insubstantial. It's temporary. Likewise, change or uh, arising, persisting, and passing away becomes one with buddhi. Spread everywhere in all forms equally. Form is seen as non-form or form and unform. Form and formless are seen as one. And motion and stillness is seen as one. Past, present, future is, can be seen as one. And so then there's a discussion of how of the nature of that peace or shanti that it's not associated with motive. It's beyond personal motivation. The crystallized healer has no will, no personal willing motive. Exactly what Ra said. It seems to fit perfectly. Neither pleasure nor pain can touch peace. And so then we're talking about the freedom um, from the common good of pleasure and gain and then, you know, otherworldly wins, praise and honor. Um, like Chong Tzu saying, you know, Chong Tzu talks about the same kind of thing. It, yes, relatively speaking, experientially speaking, um, in time and space, there's a difference between pleasure and pain. Yes, there's a difference between um, kusala and akusala. <laughs> What's wholesome and unwholesome? This is better and that's worse if you seek seven chakra perfection. If you want sukha, don't go there. Don't do that. If you want sukha, better be a certain way. Uh, certain seeds give sukha. Other seeds give dukkha. Or all sukha is sukha dukkha. Or all dukkha is a kind of dukkha sukha. Or all subjective experience is going to be some blend of sukha dukkha, happy sad, or pleasure pain. Fine. Um, at the Atmanic stage, or in Jivatman, um, they're known as um, both distinct and um, two sides of the same, where there's uh, a, you know, it's like, like a pyramid. There's the bottom right and the left, bottom left, and above them, central between them, balanced actually, is a higher altitude uh, peak or apex. That's akin to the unity that resolves or reconciles or makes an integration or fully comprehends the polarity or polarity and duality. The duality of subject-object, the duality of pleasure-pain, the duality of um, uh, past, present, future, or, or past and future. All sorts of um, experiences, particularly... Uh, for us, it would be what I like, what I don't like, or uh, pleasure and pain, what's helpful, unhelpful. All that stuff uh, falls away. Uh, the two is known as both the two and um, a unification of, of you know, uh, of elements. So this, and I'm not finished, so what the hell do I know? I'm just trying to explain. <laughs> this shanti, or peace, of the unification the, the resolution of uh, the experience of essentially separate um, elements and form and um, conditions. This is pleasure and I have to have it. This is pain and I can't have it. Uh, 
that that go that that resolution is shanti or gives shanti or peace comes from that resolution and so that peace is here and there meaning in this world and the next world and um, that peace attainment of unity attainment of um, a kind of there's <laughs> a bird right outside my window looking in that that resolution of seeing that while there is um, experience that we prefer, um, there's also a, a reality to what doesn't change, <laughs> and a reality that can be experienced in pleasure and in pain that's neither pleasure nor pain. And so one can experience, it's, a, you know, it's known by equanimity. It's not the same as equanimity or silence of mind in a steady state, but it can be known. It's a sort of realization, what buddhi reveals in equanimity or upekka, you know, from dharana concentration and sadhana practice. From that basis of equanimity or samadhi, if the mind can experience something uh, something while experiencing pleasure and pain <laughs> and the alternation and good and bad um, one can experience something that's beyond either at that same time and um, know that n- knowing the impermanence or insubstantiality of the experience of pleasure and pain of perception that perception is um, impermanent, but it's a really more than impermanent. It's it, it's um, inessential. It's insubstantial. That that samkara or thought form uh, that assesses pleasure and pain. Right, <laughs> the thoughts that are associated with our deeming experience pleasure or pain, good or bad, arising, persisting, passing away. The visual, but particularly the conceptual. Um, process by which we um, consider or, or uh, arrive at the conclusion that I'm experiencing a perception of arising, persisting, and passing away. Um, that samkara fashion thinking process that's evaluating and interpreting the experience in that way is seen as empty. And um, like a dream. And uh, therefore, in a sense, unreal illusory. The illusory nature of mind or concept is known. And that's how it's resolved. It's, it's, it's not like pain is not pain. It's pain and pleasure is both pain and pleasure and empty of characteristic. Neither affirmation nor, nor negation. Right, like like Nigarjuna talking about Madhyamaka, middle way, that that uh, a mind that uh, is non-grasping, or a mind that can see the three attributes: anicca, dukkha, impermanence, insubstantiality, and dukkha, stress, uh, can know the emptiness of the um, the lab- the designation process of mind by which we fashion experience. Uh, and and see the uh, emptiness, particularly emptiness and um, illusory nature 
of all perceptual and conceptual process of mind. The uh, and Zhuangzi was talking about that too. Anyway, <laughs> uh, since I'm not also <laughs> in Mukti, I can't tell you fully perfectly about it. So let's bear that in mind. Um, but Muk, you know, uh, he it. it what looks to me like he's talking about Atman as the goal, as a final, as the final goal. Meaning, it looks like to me he's talking about uh, attainment of Jivatman. He's not talking about Paramatman here for some reason. He's only talking about Atman, which means Jivatman or union of evolving Jiva with Matman, which is, uh, yeah, there's unification. Yes, it's peace. Of course, it's the result of the path of, of buddhi. Um, but he's calling it mukti, fulfillment of birth. It may be that it's um, it's mukti, but it's not moksha. <laughs> mm-hmm. It could be that it's um, fulfillment of soul evolution, but it's not the end of evolution. Because then, after one has finished the evolution of soul, one must complete the evolution of, uh, of light, which is spirit, which is above soul, which is not reincarnating. And so the evolution of light <laughs> is the second, is, is the work of moving from sixth density to eight, while the work of moving from third density or second to six could be called soul evolution. So soul evolution, the cosmic plan, goes to sixth density. Light evolution or spirit evolution or the final portion of evolution in the octave evolving where where <laughs> uh, beings that know themselves as light complete their return to the source of light um, going from 6th to 8th density. That may be moksha where uh, going to 6th density could be called mukti. Now that's just my take on it but clearly attainment of higher self is a major achievement Clearly, it's not the end of the path. Clearly, it's not even finished with this all. And so, but it isn't a hell of a lot different, (laughs) all right? So, 6th and 8th density are not too far apart. In any case, I'm not sure how to resolve that. But surely, um, he's explaining qualities of Jivatman, or true knowledge of Atman. Absence of desire, desireless bhakti. You know, it's called loving God without... Uh, personal willing (laughs) loving light loving source loving all um, unconditional loving bhakti devotion longing without a personal selfhood (laughs) with with nearly no personal selfhood left and therefore no uh, crystallized healer having no will no personal willfulness no personal willfulness in any case um, he's making some kind of equation where Atman, that is truth, Atman as Sat, but Atman, sixth density, is clearly not Satchitananda. But he seems to equate them. Now, I will not <laughs> question him because he's uh, uh, way above my uh, scalp. So, but um, it may be that he's you know talking to people seeking to attain Atman. It says, determine the sat and laud even within through the path of buddhi, the jiva that is citta. <laughs> very, very serious speaking here. So, determine truth. The truth 
uh, that all is one, and that form is alt form, and uh, even conception is illusory. Uh, and praise even within praise the inner and the outer through the path of buddhi or discernment the jiva <laughs> the soul that is chitta and so jiva is chitta because what's the nature of atman anyway right atman ra saying they become light meaning they've realized i is light all right so unified self consciousness is the identity of one light as one light i is one light all right uh what's the difference between the light and the awareness that realizes I is that light? Ultimately, um, the awareness that perceives I is light is source. That's chit. Or, you know, what? It's sat chit. Um, it's certainly <laughs> uh, logoic. It, uh, it, it's very much like omniscience or unbound uh, intelligent infinity or in, in, infinite intelligence. You know, uh, awareness that can determine I is light, I is one light, all is light, I is one light, I is this one light, that all that is all, in this all, in this all. Um, there is some power <laughs> that I'll, that is making such recognition. But actually, that's still dualistic because they're still subject, the I that has become and light as an object or an identity that the I identifies itself as. (laughs) Anyway, the identification process remains, and that's not the end of the octave. Not yet finished, as far as I can tell. So I can't quite square how he's talking. He seems to be talking about sixth density Atman, in some of the terms that would be associated with complete and perfect enlightenment outside the octave. And I don't think that there's any problem, like the old Buddhist perspective, oh, the Hindus don't know anything greater than Atman, or the Hindus are just attached to uh, higher jhanas. (laughs) I don't think so. Sorry, I don't buy it. It's just that sometimes the language, I mean, they have so many kind of um, colorful terms that they, there's one can get into big trouble with Hindu terminology. They, it's the Hindu mind, and now the Buddhists are the same, right? But Gautama rejected a lot of Brahmanical tradition and cut away a lot, and he was heavily against attachment to rites and rituals, and that's very much the mind that made Hindu uh, scripture theology, Vedanta, is a mind that had has a easy attachment to rites and rituals that's the seventh it's in bailey it's called the seventh ray mind or ceremonial magic um ritualistic uh high a uh, very strong attachment to complexity and a uh, very occultic you know white or black magic very magical like all <laughs> indo yogic ritual is in gen- in general right the home of the puja and so endless ritualism and ceremonialism, and high philosophical complexity. Gautama did reject a lot of that. And <clears throat> uh, it, it, from the typical Buddhist critique, Vedanta, or Hinduism, or Brahminism, 
is a sort of over is overwrought is um, too clever for its own good, and um, some Buddhists then have the view that Hindu that Hinduism or yoga schools or Vedanta doesn't go all the way to the summit of the mountain. I don't think that's true. I think it does. I mean, I would not. <laughs> I don't think that there's a heck of a lot of difference between Nityananda and Gautama. If if they met in a Dharma battle. I think they just shake hands and they say "I is you" uh, or something, but they would telepathically communicate. Of course, I don't think that Gautama would look up to Nityananda. I don't think Nityananda would would consider himself lower than Gautama. If they met, I think it would be an equal meeting. So <laughs> that's that. So he does seem, though, to be talking about attainment of Atman somewhat in terms that would that I would associate with complete and perfect enlightenment on the other side of the octave. In any case, <laughs> um, with that attainment of Atman, one can see the whole world full of Atman, full of light. I mean, what is I? What is Atman, right? The, the awareness of unity. Unity what? Uh, I is one. I is one what? One light. I is all, all is one. This one is light. And so seeing the world full of light, seeing all beings full of light, um, let it be full of Atman in all states of waking, dreaming, Sushumti. I mean, Gautama would never talk like that, you know. Uh, <laughs> uh, live so that um, uh, nirvana, <laughs> let, may, may the whole world be full of nirvana. Let the whole world be full of nirvana, in all states of waking dreams, Sushupti. Gautama would never talk like that. No Buddhist would ever talk like that. And that's, and the problems that some people fall into from that kind of talk is why Gautama cut away a whole lot of Brahmanical um, uh, doctrinal complexity or uh, terminological uh, excessiveness. I don't know. You know, semantic problems that arose from very heavy um, um, pass doing and redoing and redoing again uh, the same basic um, ideas or processes or realities put into multiple terms and um, very confusing I think that a lot of a lot of Hindus are confused by their own religion I mean Tibetan Buddhists also or Western students of Tibetan Buddhism also particularly so there's a real there's a real thing, and and Gautama would never say, "Let the whole world be full of nirvana, in all states of waking dreams." Susupti. They would not say, and he would not say, "Let let the world be full of um, <laughs> of of what? Let the world be full of the deathless, in waking dream and uh, dreamless sleep." That's weird. So they they just there's a there is a very different. Um, intellectual position uh, and and some fundamental ways that are different between Buddhism and um, a Vedantic approach. And um, <clears throat> I think that the goal, the ultimate goal of both is the same, but uh, along the way um, there's a lot of confusion, more confusion to me in the um, the Vedantic approach because of a, a sort of loose use of words, 
regularly. Anyway, um, let the mind know the world through the path of buddhi. So knowing the world, knowing the many as one, or the illusory nature of um, of form giving us the sense of separative objects. You know, see with a quiet mind, um, things look different. It's not a proposition to be explained and understood. <laughs> so arguing about awakening or arguing about unity is not important, not helpful. Let chitta be offered to buddhi. Well, I thought that if we end up the enlightened one is in Sat Chittananda. Their chit is living in Sat. Um, then uh, Buddhi is already finished. No. Well, I don't know. <laughs> let truth alone remain. Uh, let the chitta merge with truth. But you know, a lot of teachers use a lot of words um, in ways that may even seem contradictory. I mean, saying. You know, Buddha is mind, or Buddha is no mind, or Buddha is the goal, or there's no Buddha. The Buddhists have done that too. So there's a lot of playing around with words also, because in the end, um, the words don't take us all the way. Anyway, um, I think we can get a sense that uh, Buddha is critical all the way up, uh, in the end, uh, truth um, is non-dual. And he said, you know, realizing this equality of mind, knowing the sense of you and I, meaning we can know that there is an apparent duality. Let the true and the eternal be known in this equality. The, seeing the eternal in the apparently transitory. <laughs> Seeing the true or, or the universal in the apparently relative. Seeing the one in the many. And again, I'm, I'm not finished, so I can't, I can't talk about what's known at completion. Uh, but um, the other thing I would put all, uh, before we close is the term nirvikalpa. He said, truth is the right state, or sat. Sat, or truth, is sugar. Sat is sugar. And sugar or sat, or, or sat meaning awareness, uh, meaning reality, which is, uh, when we comprehend it, it's called satchit, uh, the chit of sat. Sugar or sat, sat is the sap of the mind on the tree of nirvikalpa. <laughs> so there's a, a sap of the mind on the tree. <laughs> What's the relationship between the mind and the tree? Uh, nirvikalpa uh, is a term that refers, in, from the wisdom lie, refers to two types of perception. Uh, it's one of it's one of two types of perception. It's called indeterminate. Uh, this nir, nirvi is um, near nis or near is not or away from. And vikalpa is like uh, translated as alternative or a variant or an al or, or uh, an option, <laughs> not an option, but a a, a a alternative perspective. So near vikalpa means not admitting an alternative. 
translated as admitting no doubt, free from change or difference. Um, it's actually cognition from wisdom line, uh, indeterminate or non, um, non, um, non, non-distinguishable in a way. Is uh, cognition not qualified by attributes? <laughs> eh? Knowledge in which a subject, attribute, and relation, right, the, the seer, the seen, and the relation, are absent. That's nirvikalpi knowledge. It's basically like yana. It's like what buddhi reveals, or a, but particularly yana, realization. Um, which in, in which uh, as much non-duality is possible. I mean, how can we talk? How can we talk about non non what's perceived without thought? Uh, it's it's this sort of um, uh, non obviously it's non-dual. Um, one person called it nirvikalpa said nirvikalpa perception is immediate apprehension, bare awareness, direct sense experience sense, mm-hmm. free from assimilation, discrimination, analysis, and synthesis. So it's free from thought, <laughs> right? It's it's a knowing from consciousness without sankara. All right? It, there's so much confusion on this, and I'm not, you know, finished with the path either. You've got scholars who've never been on meditation. You've got practitioners who ha- are not scholars. <laughs> You've got practitioners who've done some study, but they follow some particular teacher who has his own way of looking at things. <laughs> the people who are have finished the path don't talk about it in in such detail. And the people who are talking in such detail haven't finished the path. And so... There's a common saying, those who know don't speak, and those who speak don't know. Yeah, it's pretty much true. Those who know the totality of the octave are out of the octave and don't talk about it. Those who are talking about uh, evolution in the octave are still in the octave and actually have not finished it, and therefore actually don't have a completed understanding. (laughs) Me too, you too. And there are some who've completed the octave, um, I think Nichinanda and Gautama, and there are others. I think Webu Sayadaw would be finished, and I think Ramana Maharshi as well, and others. Uh, but to say perception um, is bare awareness, again, a, a Buddhist won't even will say, well, perception is just one of the five skandhas, and awareness, you mean uh, Vijnana, also born of ignorance? No, <laughs> there's a kind of knowing that's not born of ignorance, and that's uh, what's called satchet. So again, we're back to uh, non-dual awareness of reality beyond conceptualization. And beyond that, you've got to just taste it for yourself. So, um, the last thing I would just say is, a, is about vasana. <laughs> Uh, attachment to, you know, the, the proliferation of vasana is what prevents us from uh, moving into non-dual knowing. And ultimately, the, the real problem with vasana, or the real vasanas that create problem, are vasanas associated with self-image and um, 
the need to define and attachment to our own interpretations, believing that that our interpretations are reality. And actually, um, not so. Naming activity is itself uh, maya. And um, the real problem with the real vasanas of 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 uh, of uh, note <laughs> to remark as the real problematic karmic propensities and tendencies and deep mind seeds that proliferate are those associated with how I think about myself, self image, self worth, self value, self conception, and uh, views and assumptions that are completely unquestioned. Um, which are many, many, not only about self and self-worth and self-nature, but but right and wrong, um, better and worse, good and bad, love and hate, um, uh, acceptable, unacceptable, uh, what should be and shouldn't be, all sorts of... Um, deep mind, unquestioned assumptions, presumptions, attitudes, perspectives, uh, and, and it's a real tangle. And um, Buddhi reveals uh, the nature of the skeins of the tangle, skeins, S-K-E-I-N-S, I think, uh, the threads that are all knotted, um, in terms of belief, in terms of uh, unmet, unrecognized assumptions, presumptions, many, many about phenomena, about path or, or associated with motivation, and then, of course, about identity and the sense of self. That's where deep meditation really is essential, is stilling ever deeper levels of, uh, of mind down through the subconscious to um, all sorts of unrecognized, hardened um, positions and beliefs that are many of them are even not possible to put into words. It's very, I've had this experience in meditation many times where the breath, uh, there, there's a momentary change in the uh, a body sensation associated with a pranic blocking blockage um, releasing and I have some sense that something's just been resolved in my mind but I have no idea what it was something has just been let go but I have no way of figuring out what just happened but it was some kind of deep mind knot uh, associated with belief um, or a conflict uh, something unresolved, an irresolu- a condition of irresolution that gets resolved in association with the breath moving to a lower level in the diaphragm, in, below the diaphragm, or some kind of energy circulation at some point um, being improved, or some kind of um, disturbing, very subtle sensation immediately clearing or clearing and going, and then there's some sense of some idea has just, some conflict has just been ended. Some um, held belief or held notion is now gone. <laughs> Something like that. Very weird stuff that I could never conceive because it's preconceptual. It's the roots, of the foundational roots from which conception come. <laughs> All right? 
Anyway, next time we're going to close the reading of uh, part three, the reading commentary first time. Uh, bottom page 102, 103, and that ends the text. I'll do a commentary on it and we'll wrap up ba-boom there in class 52. And then I'll do some longer readings uh, through the text just for your or your enjoyment and mine. So anyway, I hope this was useful. Thank you very much for being here. Take good care of yourselves. See you next time. And good night.